You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host Jake Litzko. He's your host James Rapine. Together we are the Locked On Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, that being the Cincinnati Bengals, every day. We're we're on YouTube, of course, if you're new to the show and you're listening on an audio device. We're also available on YouTube and free and available everywhere. You get your podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen and subscribing on YouTube or following on that audio platform. James, we have contract details to talk about for Lael Collins, the Bengals' new right tackle, and for Eli Apple. Both of those deals, details becoming (laughs) available to us uh, on Over the Cap. And we'll start with Lael Collins because this was a shocker. It was originally reported as... Real quick, real quick. Just... Spoiler for those yeah. wondering. Okay. Lyle Collins makes more than Jake and myself. That I, let's just get that out of the way. I know there was some debate on the interwebs. Yeah. And you know, we love all of our listeners, but Collins is a little bit more rich th- than Jake, who drives a Mercedes Benz. Go ahead, Jake. I do not drive a German vehicle, but Lael Collins deal worth $21 million over three years. And What's perplexing to me about this is that it was initially reported as $22 million in cash flow over the first two years mm-hmm. and a total value of up to $30 million. There's nowhere in this deal, as it appears on Over the Cap, where this could get to $30 million. There's nowhere in this deal where the first two years gets to $22 million. There's nothing weird about the third year of this deal. So unless it was just misrecorded in whatever the source of data that over the cap uses to get these contracts displayed on their website, unless that was an error somewhere, like it's missing a roster bonus or something, then this is just an absolute steal of a deal. The year one cap hit coming in at $4.16 million, James, I had estimated that at $8.33 million based on what I thought the deal might look like if it was three years, 30 million. Instead, it's three years, 21 million, which currently looks like $7 million a year for a premier right tackle. And some people are wondering, well, why didn't the Bengals just trade for him if it's three years, 30 million? Well, there's your answer. Instead of a $10 million cap hit this year, $4.16 million is a cap hit for L. Collins. And the biggest cap hit comes in at $8.66 million assuming that he plays because it's all tied up in per game roster bonuses. And that would be in year three of the deal in 2024. 7.1 million in per game roster bonuses. Like that's crazy. It's insane. (laughs) Like the, the Bengals got the tackle for the Joe Burrow insurance. Then they got insurance on the tackle that they brought in to keep up Joe Burrow. And I was going to say insurance again, but you get the point. Yeah. I, I'm shocked by this deal and just wow. Like, wow, from a, a few reasons. But, uh, you, you know, to me, uh, the L. Collins that we heard from on Wednesday, extremely motivated. And that's why I, I mentioned to you, like, I thought there was a scenario where maybe he does take a, in want a one year deal to kind of reset himself 
and the cap goes up next year and kind of show everyone that he can be maybe a pro bowl right tackle and, and check the market again. And instead the Bengals have him locked up and they're not committing huge money to him. And it, it's crazy. You were looking at the over the cap and I was looking at your, uh, your tweet and I know it's not the, you know, the, uh, the cap allotment this year, you said it's over $4 million of a cap hit, but 1.2 million in base salary, like <laughs> for 2022, it's just, it's much lower than I think anybody could have anticipated. And, uh, and that's good because as we'll get to in the mailbag, there are some areas that the Bengals uh, will probably need to address outside of the draft with, with proven players. And what's crazy about this whole thing, James, to me is that $7 million a year ranks 10th among right tackles. If you were to look at left tackles, it would be like 25th. The, the, the payment gap between left and right tackles continues to persist in the NFL. I don't really understand it. But mm-hmm. for, for right tackles at the top, there's like five guys. And then there's a huge drop-off under $10 million. From $17 million for the fifth guy at right tackle, who's Taylor Moten, to Chucks Okorafor, who the, who the Steelers are paying more per year than the Bengals are paying L. Collins. <laughs> 9.75 versus $7 million. On the, on the left tackle side of things, you have to go all the way down to uh, Cam Irving, Andrew Thomas, who's a rookie, to get to $7 million a year. So, safe to say that if these details are accurate... And I guess there's still a chance that there was a data entry error somewhere. You, you, you buying that though? Or are you buying deal. these numbers like overall? Like if you, cause I, I believe it to me, I, I'm still a little skeptical to be honest. Like I would, ex, I would have expected a year one roster bonus. There's no year one roster bonus here. You typically see that from the Bengals in, in their contracts. It seems like there's like $5 million in roster bonuses missing in the first two years of the deal. But with the way that this is structured right now and per game roster bonuses and, and it and it like is escalating per game roster bonuses. It's not even if you're healthy in year one, we'll guarantee that money next year. It's mm-hmm. 1.7 million in per game roster bonuses in year one, 2.4 in year two and 3 million in year three. So the further into the deal, the Bengals go the more money is tied up in these Ross and these, in these active roster bonuses where if he's hurt or if he gets suspended again or anything like that, the Bengals don't have to pay that money. And mm-hmm. so from a team building perspective, fantastic keeps them flexible, uh, a bargain deal from Lael Collins perspective, definitely betting on himself to stay active with a third of the contract tied up mm-hmm. in these, in these roster bonuses. And we'll see, we'll see if anything changes. But it would have to be a data entry error. The only way that this is wrong is if there was a data entry error. It's not like, you know, somebody heard the wrong thing or something. The The source is solid here. If the source had an error, that's the only way these details end up incorrect. And so I wouldn't expect it to change. It's just my instinct is like, this can't be right. This is too low, which maybe yeah. just speaks to how good of a deal it is. Yeah, maybe it does, and it, it also spe- – what if I told you that Collins's cap hit was going to be what? Less than a million dollars more than Eli Apple's? That would have made your your head roll, and and yet that's the case with Eli Apple's one-year deal. It's one of those things where people like 
sometimes suggest crazy contracts and you're like, yeah, but he's never going to sign that. And then, and then the player does, or it's like, like Kevin Zeitler last year where we know the Bengals offered him way less than the Ravens, mm-hmm. but then Lael Collins just took the deal. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like he, maybe he did have a bigger offer. And so that's the thing. Maybe he just took less. He talked about it in his press conference. He talked about money not being as important as championships with a capital S. So, so it could be that. You talked about Eli Apple, James, $3.75 million cap hit for Apple. The contract appears to be, I'm a little bit confused by it, the way that it's structured. Again, per game roster bonus is $500,000. Those are all likely to be earned because he didn't miss a game last year. $1 million signing bonus. So there's there's good earning potential here for Eli Apple. But again, doesn't really look like starter money to me. I think the Bengals are still planning on acquiring a corner, whether it's in free agency or the draft. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I think that that's uh, one of the many topics we'll hit coming up next as we dive in to the mailbag. It, it feels like it's been a while. So I'm excited to, to dive into your questions in the mailbag. But first, it's also that time, sweet 16 time in college hoops. And that means you got to get to bet online. Your one-stop shop for all things sports, wagering the latest props, odds, player props, anything you could look for or want, BetOnline has you covered in one spot. Their site is easy to navigate. It's easy to use. It's been newly uh, designed and recently updated. So whether you're on your mobile device, whether you're on your laptop or PC, BetOnline is a one-stop shop for all your sports gambling needs, not just basketball, not just college hoops or NBA. No, they got your casino games. If you want to wager on Joe Burrow, Joe Burr winning MVP. You can do that and so much more at Bet Online. So don't delay. Get there now. I've used them. You should too. Bet Online, where the game starts. James, before we dive into the questions, really quick, just want to hit on the overall salary cap picture. Uh, we, we didn't get there in the first segment, although I know we intended to. So currently, the way that I see it is that the Bengals official cap space number for top 51 accounting. I think over the cap is pretty on the spot here. They might be missing one deal. They have it at 19 million. Um, that's probably realistic. If you take out uh, some off season bonuses that are going to be coming due and you adjust for rookies, you include the four rookie picks that will uh, impact the salary cap. I've got it more at 15 and a half million for top 51 about 13.8 for fit for top 53. And I think the Bengals use top 53. I don't think they care about offseason top 51 because eventually it is a 53 man roster. That's what they have to pay. I believe they also account for the salaries for practice squad players. That's just South of $3 million over the course of the year that will be on the salary cap. So once you factor that in, I have it really close to $11 million in cap space. So how much of that they spend they could do a bunch of small deals because of the offsets. That's going to push other contracts off the roster and off the eventual 53 man roster. So they could do a bunch of those small million, $2 million deals if they wanted to, or one, you know, still one moderate size deal, but that all depends on how much they want to roll over because if they want to roll over $6 million or so, then you're down to like five, $6 million in effective cap space for the Bengals. So that's where I see the cap situation. Just an update there in case anyone was curious. And that, I think, speaks again still to, like we've talked about all week, extensions for internal guys, potentially Jonah Williams, Jermaine Pratt, uh, Von Bell, et cetera, or some of those smaller deals for veterans. 
Yeah. And so they still have some flexibility and we'll see what they do with that. But it's time for the mailbag. And uh, basically what happens here every single week during the offseason, especially we're going to get to your questions. All you have to do is follow at Locked on Bengals on Twitter and we'll put out the the well, Dan Horde calls it the lap signal. And so I don't know what we should call ours, but, you know, the lob signal, I don't know. But we'll lob you up a tweet, Locked on Bengals, get it, and uh, basically every Thursday and ask you for your questions. And we got a lot of questions, and we're going to get to as many as we can, starting with Nick at ngreen796 on Twitter asks, which part of the offense improves the most because of the offensive line upgrades, pass game or run game? Clearly, they're a pass-heavy team, but I expect Joe Mixon to feast behind the best offensive line he's had since Oklahoma, teams will be afraid of leaving uh, the wide receivers, leaving some light boxes. Jake, your thoughts, which one gets the bigger boost? I think it's the run game and I'll expand on this, but another person asked, why not run the ball more? And I think that kind of goes hand in hand and sorry, I don't have your name in front of me. You who asked, should they, Oh no, there it is. Bartholomew at dev dat underscore dude asked, should they run more? And I think that they should run less, but when they do run, they should be more efficient and more effective. And so here's why I think the run game benefits more. Joe Burrow found a way to make it work in the past game. He was already really good, despite how crazy things were around him, despite the muddy pockets, despite the sacks, and that all will get better. But I think that especially Lael Collins, they added a really good run blocker at right tackle. They added some guys that should be able to get some movement on the interior of the offensive line on the right side. And Jonah Williams, I think, is going to take a step this year. And so that leaves left guard as a big question mark, both in the run game and the pass game. I just think there's more room for improvement in terms of efficiency in the run game. And I think you'll see a little bit of a bigger leap there. But that doesn't mean the pass game shouldn't get better with Joe Burrow having extra time he should only get more efficient and effective too. I just, again, I think that he was able to overcome more, so there's less room to leap, although I do think there should be a leap, than there is on the running game side of things. James, I, I wouldn't be shocked if you disagree with me here. What do you think? You, you're starting to know me pretty well, my friend, because, look, I and, and I, I think it's going to, the, the run game should be better, no doubt about it. I agree Collins is a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. But my God... The pass blocking that I saw from the Bengals, specifically in the playoffs, was about as good as me trying to ice skate. And I can't ice skate, my friend. So, yeah, I, I would go with uh, the pass blocking element. And it might not translate into 60 touchdown passes for Joe Burrow, right? It could. He may have an MVP season, not ruling that out. But it might not look much different in the regular season because they were able to air it out, especially towards the end of the year, unleash Joe Burrow and win now games and all of that. But what happened in the playoffs? I can't wait for the person. Someone's going to do it this offseason, Jake. Here's my prediction. Oh, Joe Burrow's so good. Look at him in the playoffs. And they're going to pull up these numbers. And they're going to ridicule Joe He's going to be able to ball out now, whether you know he's got to go to Kansas City or whether he's got to go to Denver, maybe the the Bengals are hosting the AFC in the you know the playoffs. There, it doesn't matter. I think he's going to play at a high level and post big numbers, and it's because of that 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 they're going to be able to keep the pocket much more, keep him in the pocket better, and, and allow him to to throw darts, as our, our good friend CJ Uzama said. I, I think that 
the distinction between the playoffs and the regular season that you made is really important because I could definitely see it being a bigger benefit to the pass game in the, in the postseason. And again, some of these teams that have those really strong pass rushes because there were times the Bengals were able to run the ball in the postseason, but like we go back to the Super Bowl in the second half, they couldn't run offense because they couldn't pass. And and so in, in that regard, yeah, you would expect the offensive line to make a bigger difference to your passing game. But I, I was, I guess, thinking more from a regular season perspective where the run game just disappeared down the stretch. And uh, yeah. I think that coincided quite a bit with Riley Reef's departure. And so the upgrades there, like over the course of the year, it wouldn't surprise me if we see a bigger uptick in efficiency in the run game. But in some of these games that really matter, assuming a repeat playoff run and playing some of these teams with crazy pass rushes again, it should keep the Bengals passing offense more functional than we saw in the playoffs. And maybe it's as simple as consistency. Yeah. Now they're going to be freaking consistent on offense versus this up and down all around game. I remember the Detroit game. It, it seemed like the entire first quarter. I'm like, is this really what they're running on offense? And they just couldn't get going. Right. And all those slow starts. Yeah. I think a lot of that had to do uh, with the offensive line. So yeah, we'll see if they can get all of that cleaned up. That's a great point. Maybe it helps them start games a little bit faster too. Next question from Treb at Duder the what's a bigger need, James cornerback or left guard, assuming that Quentin Spain isn't back and Eli Apple, as we know, is back on the team. The Bengals think it's corner. So, you know, me, I'm so focused on nine. I don't, I don't even care if they have a defense next year. I just want to keep, I don't want to see Joe Burrow limp. Right. And I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit, but you know, if you ask me, you know, of course I'm, I'm saying go add more linemen, and uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be against that at 31 or adding another lineman in free agency. That being said, I, I think the Bengals, as far as their priorities, I think it is corner, and rightfully so, because they, uh, you mentioned it, they, they're paying Eli Apple backup money, so wouldn't be surprised at all if they add another veteran. I expect them at some point to add another veteran, and uh, if I had to wager on which one they would address in free agency and with the earlier draft pick, not or, and I would say cornerback um, is is more likely because of the the priority. And if you just talk to Lou Anarumo, he says it all the time, you can't have enough corners. Yeah, and, and you consistently see mocks right now, even after free agency, picking an interior lineman to the Bengals. Saw, saw Tyler Linderbaum and Daniel Jeremiah, saw... Uh, Kenyon Green in the athletics mock draft that went up on Thursday morning. And so around the around the league, around the national media, it seems like they still see left guard as the bigger need. But I agree, James. I think the Bengals think is probably corner. If you were asking me, I would also say left guard. I, mm-hmm. I would say that if you could solidify the entire offensive yeah. line across the board, Do it's it. probably doing more for you. Mm-hmm. than whatever the marginal difference is at corner. Because while Eli Apple doesn't appear to be an all-star by any means, he was serviceable for most of the year. And mm-hmm. I, I know we gave him a hard time, and I know that I'm still looking for an upgrade after the Super Bowl and after the playoffs. But, man, if you could just solidify that offensive line, maybe it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you can you can deal with giving up a an extra touchdown on that side of the field when it happens. I don't know. Yeah. But but unlike you, James, I do think the Bengals still need a defense. And that ties into one of the questions that we got that I think <laughs> I'm going to be interested to answer uh, in, in a minute or two, asking about you know what the Bengals can do to sustain their window and extend it as long as possible. So we'll wrap up the mailbag with some questions like that coming up next. But first, well, we got to solidify your 
eating habits, your nutrition with the number one protein bar on the planet. If you haven't had a built bar yet, well, maybe you're a first time listener because I've been talking about these for years. It's the number one protein bar on the planet. I had them long before I, I was in Cleveland when I discovered these built bars and they just happened to uh, start sponsoring the podcast at, right as I was transitioning back and joining Jake here on Locked On Bengals and rejoining the network. And well, they're awesome. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're low in calories. They're low in carbs. They're high in protein. And so I have one every single day post-workout. You get that protein punch, but you don't have to go to the gym to get the effects of Built Bar. It can help you in a variety of ways, whether you're just looking for a healthy snack in the middle of the day in between meetings. So check them out right now at built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Again, get 15% off and get the number one protein bar on the planet at built.com with promo code LOCKED15. James, before we go back into the mailbag, I've got a uh, something for you to react to. I'm not sure if this is true, but... Yeah. Someone claiming to be an insider for the NFL Network and NFL.com. What's their handle? Need more? No, this is fake. There you go. Okay. There you go. I've been convinced it was fake. People people got to be better about what they retweet on in my timeline, what, man. I'm what, very what, selective what? about the people I follow in the first place. And what, somehow, what did it say? What did it say? But it's, AJ it's Green okay. has a visit with the Pittsburgh Steelers schedule. Somehow that still makes oh, it onto my time. God. <laughs> Jeez, oh, peace. They almost got me. <laughs> Ask, when, you, when you made me read the name, I, I figured it out. All right, let's get back to our regularly scheduled oh. programming here. We have a number of questions oh. about the Bengals getting back to the Super Bowl and about sustaining their window. I think they all kind of go together, James, and contribute yeah. to a big conversation that we can have here. First is from jld today at jld today on twitter what's the biggest obstacle to the bengals returning to the super bowl in your opinion and then melissa gronenwald at gronen w7 how are you feeling about the stacked afc and the bengals odds the browns have better better odds than the bengals is that an overreaction to watson and then the last one is when you look at the offseason and the, the look around the nfl ha, has it reached a point where the most Super Bowl runs a team can make is over a three to four year stretch like Kansas City, who just traded Tyree kill is a window to win championships tighter and are the Patriots just really an outlier. I think all these things go together, James. Mm -hmm. So so thinking about how the Bengals get back to the Super Bowl and how they sustain that window as long as possible. Let's focus first on this year. What do you think is is the biggest obstacle for the Bengals to overcome if they want to run it back in 2022? Well, there's a couple things, you know, because they, they did have some luck go their way. But to me, it's it's pretty simple. And they've gone, you know, a step towards doing it is if you keep Burrow upright, there's a chance. I turned to Paul Daner Jr. today at, at uh, the University of Cincinnati's Pro Day. And I was like, you know, there's a chance because we were talking about the AFC and kind of having this conversation. And it's easy to have because it's so loaded that the Bengals have the best quarterback in the league. Not the fifth best, not the third best, not the eighth best, the best. And so the window part is open as long as you have that. But the reason I, I've joked about not giving a damn about the defense and you don't even need a defense and just it, if you can keep him upright and put him in a position to succeed and not just put up numbers, he's had to overcome a lot. But if you do that 
And suddenly you look up and you realize, well, damn it, Joe Burrow is the best. He's better than Patrick Mahomes. He is better than Aaron Rodgers. He is better than Russell Wilson. He is better than Josh Allen. And I'm not saying he is, but there is certainly a path for that to happen. And no one can completely rule that out after what we've seen from Burrow for two seasons. Um, so that, how do you get the most and maximize the most out of Burrow and make sure he reaches his full potential as a player? Well, you got to make sure he stops limping and keep him upright so he can still go off script, still take the hits that he's going to take because he's going to extend plays and try to get the ball downfield and hold on to it for eight seconds sometimes if he needs to, going back and forth and running all around and spinning and doing all of those things, tight roping the sideline against the Raiders, all of those things. You want him to be able to be fully unlocked. And so for this year, that that's a big part of it, you know, get the line to a point where he can be fully unlocked and he's still not going to be perfect at, you know, 25 going into 26 years old in his third NFL season, but damn it, he's got MVP potential and you want to fully unlock that. And part of that means depth too. What if T Higgins misses eight weeks or Jamar chase is out for a bit? Like they, they do, they have some areas that they need to address with guys that hopefully can um, make, not huge plays, you know, consistently, but big plays when they need them to if some of these receivers get banged up. Yeah, and you can kind of tell that it seemed like there might have been a plan to address depth of wide receiver early in free agency. It sounds like they maybe maybe when L. Collins actually became available, they decided they were going to focus on that, and Trenton Irwin comes yeah. back, and Mike Thomas comes back at that point as they decide to divert their attention and their funds to the right tackle. I think you mentioned this, James, but to me, it's it's the the biggest thing is health. You you mentioned that they had some luck in the health department. Mm-hmm. You look around the league; the two teams that made it to the Super Bowl were two of the healthiest teams in the NFL in the playoffs. The Rams had no depth to speak of on that roster. They were an incredibly top heavy roster, but those guys were healthy. Their stars were largely healthy. Mm-hmm. That's how they won the Super Bowl. Uh, for the Bengals, I think you know the the, the turnover variance will need to to continue to be in their favor i think they had a little bit of defensive turnover luck while joe burrow was also unlucky with the amount of interceptions he threw Mm -hmm. so that that regression happening on the joe burrow side of things where the interceptions stay minimal the way they did for most of the second half of the year and in the playoffs and the defense continuing to turn up those turnovers whether it be fumble recoveries or interceptions of their own i think that that's pretty big It'll be interesting to see if Evan McPherson keeps up his stellar rookie year. I expect him yeah. to, but you can look around the NFL for for other examples of similar, not as good as McPherson's rookie year, who's like doing record setting stuff, but similar rookie years where you had kickers that were great from 40 plus from 50 plus who never got to that point again in their entire career. I'm not saying I expect that for McPherson, but if that does happen for McPherson, well, how many games did he end up winning on those long mm-hmm. kicks if, if that doesn't recur? And I'm not sure how stable that is. I would expect that he should continue to get better. He's a young guy. There's no reason to expect him to have a downturn. I'm just acknowledging the possibility of some regression there. But mm-hmm. I, I think those are the two biggest things is how will the defense kind of respond this year, I guess? Defense being incredibly unstable for a year-to-year uh, for, for for performance year over year. So will they get another good performance out of their defense? Will they will they 
be able to run back this idea of holding Kansas City's offense to three points in the second half twice. You know, that kind of thing. Well, will that come up again this year or will it be more like, well, as we all thought, the potent offenses are doing what potent offenses do. And and that's what I'm expecting for the Bengals offense. And so to me, the Bengals offense isn't an obstacle. I think that they should be better this year, especially with the stabilization we've talked about in the offensive line. But this is why the defense does matter to me is because depth is so important on that side of the ball. And and having guys that can go out there and not be total liabilities when injuries do start to pile up, I think is is really important. And that kind of feeds into Chuck's question about the the and Melissa's question about the stacked AFC and and how you keep the window open because there mm-hmm. are all these quarterbacks in the AFC and all these young players going uh, young quarterbacks in the in the AFC and players going from the NFC to the AFC. I thought it was a there was a pretty interesting conversation today surrounding the Tyreek Hill trade and how for the Chiefs they they kind of they have these bad contracts and Frank Clark and they're paying Joe Tooney all this money and they had to do that to fix their offensive line but as a result they they had to trade Tyreek Hill and now they have to find a way to put those 30 million dollars and all those draft picks to use to solidify their team and get back to the playoffs and so this idea of going all in that Bengals fans want might actually be wrong. That might not be the way to, to keep yourself in a, in a sustainable contending window. And instead, maybe what the Bengals are doing is right. And I'm just positing this as, as a hypothesis. Maybe it's right to keep your future cap flexibility there, build your depth, keep yourself in the conversation. Keep your, if you have the quarterback, keep yourself Mm -hmm. In, in a place where he's going to be able to make that postseason run. And as long as you keep giving yourself that opportunity and, and, and kind of sustain, try to sustainably build that window, you have to obviously draft well to pull this off. Then, then maybe that's the way that you pull off a Tom Brady kind of dynasty. Well, just to go back to the, the one part of one of the, the questions we're addressing here. Yeah. The Patriots are the outlier in sports history not just NFL history. It just doesn't happen. I mean, two decades, it, you know, two separate hall of fame careers with one day, you know, Bill Belichick too, you know, two separate just runs where they just crush it and uh, are winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl. So um, that's the outlier. Uh, that's certainly not the expectation for anybody. I can't have that expectation for Burrow or Taylor, even if they're as good as those guys, it's just hard to do and luck and everything that's involved in that. But to your point, a lot of times in 2011 through 2015, I was really critical of the Bengals because they never did make that next move, right? They didn't make, you know, Seattle was trading for Percy Harvin and then Harvin would, you know, return a kickoff in the Super Bowl that put the Broncos away for good. Um, they they were trading for this guy or that guy. And that's one of the, the moves, but there's a thousand moves that happen in the league with these contenders. I think it it's different when you have an elite quarterback to a degree. Because the ceiling of the entire team is so much better. Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton. And those that remember the first run here of Locked on Bengals, I was very critical of Andy Dalton. And people got sick of me saying it. But it's because the whole ceiling's different. Like everything changes when you have Burrow. Everything feels different. It's just different. And so, yeah, like you don't want to go all in for two years because that's 
that's not what you're gunning for. You want the sustainable thing. That being said, that doesn't mean not be aggressive. And that's what I, I think people, you can be all in to a degree while also being all in in 2023 and all in in 2024 and winning championship after championship. And I think that's what the Bengals are are trying to figure out. And I'm not saying they're perfect because I don't think any organization is, but they also don't want to look up and have Joe Tooney making $22 million in 2023, right? Where they're like, oh man, I guess we have to say goodbye to Tyreek Hill, who's the fastest man uh, to you know be in the league over the past couple of years and completely changes the way defenses play. Their star quarterback and Patrick Mahomes. Um, so so that's, that's the part of it where, yeah, you want to build a sustainable winner and if you have Burrow, you know, you're going to attract the right guys. And they haven't had any trouble in free agency of getting guys. Everyone talks about their structure. It's not like they've had an issue getting guys, right? They addressed the offensive line. They were never going to swim in those Taron Armstead waters anyway. And so they they got three guys for virtually that, that contract. So, I, you know, I think they are comfortable where they're at, regardless of what, what people think. And I think... I don't think it necessarily always works. Didn't work with Carson. Didn't work with Andy. Both really talented quarterbacks. It might work with Joe. And it might work with Joe and Chase because these dudes are just different. And, you know, especially if they start drafting well, which in, in the past couple of years, outside of those guys, they, they've they've drafted well too. Not just those two. It's easy to get the first and fifth overall picks right. So uh, we'll see. But uh yeah, I mean, there'll be there'll come a point where I'm saying, all right, we'll trade for this at the deadline, probably this year. Doesn't mean you can't make moves. At the same time, I get having 2023, 2024, 2025 in mind, as well as you know trying to do your best to win this coming season. Yeah, you, you can do both. And to your point, it's not like you can just do nothing. I think the last three free agencies, they've gone out and they've made really good moves. The one that we've discussed so far that hasn't worked is Trey Waynes. And so... It, it, that is different than it was under Carson Palmer. Like they, they did dabble in free agency early oh, wow. in Carson's career in Cincinnati. Didn't really do it while Andy Dalton was in town. It was a lot of let's keep our own guys and let's try to develop and, and try to run it back. So that is different. But how about also, you respect AJ Hawk? Okay. But they are still doing business largely the same way that they're still, they're still <laughs> kind of putting those same deals together. For these free agents that they're bringing in, they're not deviating from their structure very much. They are cutting guys, and yeah. that's not something they used to do. Their dead, no. their dead cap hit over t- over nine million dollars this year is probably the biggest it's ever been. Leon Hall, come on back, nine million. What? Leon Hall? Did they? They didn't end up cutting him, right? That was one that they capped, or maybe that was their first cut. They they struggled to cut guys that were like obvious cut candidates yeah the the, uh, the the one that always stands out to me is robert gathers who who just yeah. continued to make crazy money that that he never quite lived up to after his one great season he was a fine player but not quite worth what they were paying him and i think that 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 restricted them but to, to the point did that you think are, did you think i was asking for leon hall to come back for nine million dollars yeah i was really confused <laughs> i was like we gotta end the show james is james has jumped the shark oh we're my done. god <laughs> I was I mean, really confused. Uh, uh, he's available for $9 million, I'll tell you that right now. And if I yeah, get it, 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 it Leon, if I you bet. sign the deal, I get half. Go ahead. Yeah. Say. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the, the, the last point I want to make before we do need to end the show, we need to wrap up here, is people screaming cap is fake, restructure, blah, blah, blah. Look at some of the moves T. 
teams are making where they're not keeping some of their stars. The cap is real. You have to manage the cap. You have to do it in your own way. They've been rewarded for those trades. Like there's a first and second round pick going back to Green Bay. There's five picks going back to Kansas City. They get that money to use on other things. But James, to your point, say the Bengals spend to the cap in free agency like some fans want them to. They go sign Stephon Gilmore for $10 million or whatever. They use a void year so they can fit it into the cap this year. Well, then by the time the trade deadline comes around, you have like $1.5 in cap space. And the way your deals are structured you can't really save a whole lot more on a restructure. So say a guy like Grady Jarrett becomes available at that point. He's a $20 million cap hit. And you're like, yeah, Grady Jarrett, he would, he would make this team, you know, he, he, he's what they need a penetrating interior defensive lineman. Who's going to get pressure. And then they, they should can't have drafted actually, him. Go ahead. Yeah, of course. But then they can't actually do the trade. They like can't legally execute the trade. Yeah. And, and so, you know, managing the cap matters. Uh, I think the Bengals, honestly, the, the more I've thought about it this offseason, there's some things I wish they would do differently, but I think they do a pretty good job of it. And if you listened to me last year, you would think uh, somebody's kidnapped me and replaced me with a clone because I was very critical of the way they structured contracts last year. But the, the more I've paid attention you, to you it, you look better it. this year. You look better this year than you did last year. Hey, well, I mean, the aliens have good technology. You know, let's wrap the show there. Uh, with with praise for the way the Bengals do contracts, which isn't something I ever thought I would spend wow. a whole lot of time. Cheers to that. A whole lot of time doing here. But I think that there's something sustainable. They have to keep hitting in free agency. They have to keep hitting in the draft. They have to do a good job of retaining their key players. And we'll see if they're building something here for the long term or if this is a flash in the pan. But right now, I think with Joe Burrow quarterback, they could definitely be building something for the long haul. We'll be back next week with any additional free agency moves that may come up. And we're going to be shifting into draft content. We're hopefully going to have our friend PFF underscore Brad on the show to review the Bengals contracts that they handed out, some of the value there. We may talk about the future for Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. I know there's some anxiety out there over those guys that are all going to be getting big money way down the road. And we'll talk about those scenarios perhaps as well. Have a good weekend. And until next time, who day and have a good one.